It's been Jack Benny, Amos and Andy, Bergen and McCarthy. Still waiting to entertain you on CBS are Rocky Jordan, Horace Height, Dick Ames, and Joe Stafford, our Miss Brooks, The Whistler, and Red Skelton. Now, Del Monte Foods brings you a world of adventure with... Rocky Jordan. Hey, Rocky, that girl's got a gun. Yeah, I see her, Chris. Let's get up there. Look out, mister! Look out! That's all for the night, lady. Give me that gun. Give it to me. I'll kill him. I'll kill him. I'll kill him. Any more, you won't. She didn't hit the guy, Rocky. He ran out the door. Don't bother with him, Chris. She'll tell us all about him. Won't you, lady? No, let's... Oh, we'll try for more back in my office. Come on, let's go. I won't tell you anything. Never. All right, come on. Break it up, everybody. Let us through. No. Del Monte, the brand you trust for flavor in so many good foods. Yes, Del Monte, the best-liked brand of canned fruits and vegetables in the whole wide world takes you now to the Café Tambourine in Cairo, gateway to the ancient East, where modern adventure and intrigue unfold against a backdrop of antiquity. Tonight's Rocky Jordan story, The Perfect Witness. Cairo holds all sorts of lonely people, like the guy who sat at my bar the night of the 15th with his coat collar turned up and a faded blue scarf that helped hide his face. I hadn't bothered about him till a girl with a good figure and a bad aim came in, throwing shots at him. The bullets had found nothing but the back mirror, and he was gone before I even saw his face. It happened that quick. I grabbed the gun away from her, got her into my office, and right away called Captain Sam Sabaya to come on over. After a while, she began to settle down, but she still had everything but answers. It'll do you no good to keep asking, Mr. Jordan. But we can keep looking, can't we? Your purse ought to have some identification. Should it? Let's see. Passport made out to Cora Good. This belong to you? I'd hardly be carrying somebody else's passport. All right, Cora, let's take it for... Here, Chris. I just found this tie clip in front of the bar where the guy was sitting. The one that flew the coop. Oh, thanks. The initial's B.G., is this his, Cora? You're doing all the guessing, aren't you? What was his name? Come on, tell me, Cora. You'll find out soon enough. He's turned up dead in a gutter. Nice kid, ain't she, Rock? Now, nah, skip it, Chris. Anyway, why should you care? Why should anyone care? Because it happens I don't like shootings in my place. What's more, I don't like people coming in here working out their problems at my expense. All you've got to worry about is a broken mirror. Captain Sabai is here, Rocky. Oh, come on in, Sam. Well, Jordan, I see your tambourine is having its usual busy evening. Her passport says Cora Good. Here's her purse and her gun. Now get her out of here. In a moment. I have not yet seen the victim. She missed him a country mile. But he hasn't stopped running yet. Who was he, Miss Good? You needn't expect me to tell you anything. Jordan? Well, we didn't get a look at him, Sam. He was sitting at the bar in your cafe, as you told me on the phone, yet you saw not what he looked... He had his coat collar turned up around his face, along with a big scarf. The inevitable Mr. X. I hate him. I'll admit that. I hate him. You will tell us much more than that. Never. You'll get nothing from me. At once, Miss Good, who is this man and why did you try to kill him in this manner? Oh, throw the light in her face someplace else, Sam. This isn't the torture tank. As you wish, Jordan. Let us trust that the ride to headquarters will loosen her tongue. She walked out ahead of Sam and I hope that was the last of her. Knowing things just don't happen that way for me. 
But after a couple of days waiting without anything more from Sam, I began to wonder. And that's when somebody else came into my life. A clean-shaven, graying man with a neat mustache and dark continental dress who invited me to join him at a table in a tambourine. He introduced himself as Dr. Hugo Klost. A psychiatrist, Mr. Jordan. Oh, I see. Your office somewhere around here, Dr. Klost? Oh, no, no. Nice. I asked if he was so interested in clearing himself of the killings. He said he was on parole, would face an automatic 20-year term if he went to them. What did he expect from you? Mm, nothing. He said he'd been in trouble with the law most of his life, but that he'd never killed anybody. He claimed that all he wanted was to stop Gorell from enjoying what he termed that blood money. He told me where Gorell is and what his plans are. Is Gorell still in Phoenix? Yes. And I know what you're going to say. That you still think it's a job for the police. Well, with three murders to his credit, I sure do. We decided to try it our way because their plan was to mail the money out of the state. Palavik was sure that Gorell has already sent it. But didn't know where, except that it was someplace in or near Los Angeles. Uh-huh. Any idea how he's going to try to get out of town? Yeah. It's one of those share-the-ride arrangements. You know, the kind that are advertised in the classified sections. This man is driving to Los Angeles and wanted passengers to share the expense and help with the driver. Both of them are going in the same car? Yeah. And since Palavik isn't going, there's room for me, huh? <laughs> That's what I meant when I mentioned you're taking a gamble. There's no doubt that Gorell is a completely ruthless killer. Now, will you go? Well, I don't like it for a lot of obvious reasons. But I wouldn't like a reputation for turning down cases, either. When do I leave? I understood why the company didn't want to involve the police. In their opinion, the chances were that more effort would be spent in apprehending the killer than in tracing down the money. But a big insurance company is one thing, and a private investigator working behind the law's back is another. And that was one thing I didn't like about the matter. Another that rang a little sour was Gorell's choice of getaway method. The police admittedly had no witnesses and therefore no description. Yet Gorell was avoiding public transportation. It made me wonder if somebody else could be looking for him. And still another thing. Gorell would be in control of the situation. I wouldn't. I couldn't even afford the luxury of a gun for fear the bulge would arouse suspicion. The owner of the car for the trip was a Mr. Bovey, and I phoned him from post office. You couldn't have read it in today's paper, Mr. Dollar. I canceled my ad last evening. Well, I clipped the ad a day or so ago when it wasn't definite about my going to the coast. I hope you have room for me. Well, I, I'm afraid I don't. I already have two gentlemen and a lady. Oh, but it's a sedan, isn't it? Five passengers? Yes, but five is too many. Uncomfortable for my people. You're uh, sure that all your people are still going? I haven't heard to the contrary. Well, you can't tell about people. Suppose we leave it this way. I'll come out to your house in the morning. If there's room for me, I'll go. If there isn't, I won't. Is that okay? Well, if you want to take a chance, but don't expect to crowd in, I know from experience five is too many. All right, Mr. Bovey. I'll see you in the morning, then. Goodbye. Uh, goodbye. I suppose that was the only way to handle it. Uh, but how is Gorell going to react to your being there? No, I don't think it'll change things. A guy in his spot is going to be suspicious of everybody anyway. At nine the next morning, I arrived at Bovey's address in a Phoenix suburb. He left me in a seedy living room while he put his luggage in a car that was parked at the curb in front of the house. 
And a minute after he came back in, the doorbell rang, and he let Gorell in. Just leave your luggage by the door, Mr. Gorell. Your friend, he's not with you. Brother came up. Some business deal, so he couldn't come. Oh, but why didn't he let me know? Yes, he figured I would, because I made all the arrangements with you. And all the time I thought he'd call. Well, Mr. Dollar, did you hear that? Yeah, looks like I'm in luck. Uh, uh, this is Mr. Gorell. How are you? Hi, how are you? Uh, Mr. Dollar came this morning just on the chance that this might happen, so there'd be room for him. What, that somebody wouldn't show up? <laughs> Must be psychic or something. Oh, no. Guy's got to get the brakes once in a while. Uh, well, you two get acquainted while I pack You, uh, live here in Phoenix? No, I'm from the east. Connecticut. To travel all the way out here this way? I mean, in people's cars like this? Not, uh, all the way. Hmm. I think I'll go outside, see what's going on. I don't want Bobby scratching my bag up. Nothing except two cold blue eyes that moved around too much would have given him away for what he was. The rest of his makeup... Thin, triangular face, blonde hair, and slightly stooped figure would have made him unnoticed in any company. By the time I followed him outside, the fourth member of our party had arrived. She was a not unattractive brunette wearing Harlequin sunglasses that made her look frightened. I wondered how she'd look if she knew who her traveling companions were. This is Miss Shelton and Mr. Dollar. Miss Shelton? Hi. We're all loaded. All right, then we're ready. Now, how shall we arrange? How you sit? Does anyone care? Yeah, uh, why don't I take my turn driving first? I drove a cab for a while, and I know some quick ways out of town. Well, that, that's fine. Miss Shelton, will you sit in the back with Mr. Dollar? I, I like to ride in front in my own car. It's all right with me. Thank you, Mr. Dollar. The... Starters right there, Mr. Gorell. Yeah, I got it. Well, now, I'd say we got a nice early start. Which way are you going, Mr. Gorell? North on Mission Drive? That's right. I turn off on North and hit the highway. It's that long stretch of traffic out towards Peoria. Yes, but now, this is out of the way. It just seems like it. You leave it to me. I know this town like a book. Whether Gorell was missing some roadblocks that I knew nothing about, I couldn't be sure. But I wasn't sure his back road way out of town was working either. As we pulled away from Bovey's house, I glanced up the block and saw a green coupe nose into the street behind us. You know this neighborhood, Dollar? No, never been through it. Why? The way you were looking around, because you were trying to spot an old landmark or something. Well, just trying to memorize my way back in case you get lost. You don't trust me? You want I should pull over so you can drive? Please, Mr. Gorell, he didn't mean anything like that. He was only making a joke. What's the matter with him to get sore about a thing like that? What did you say, lady? I didn't quite catch it. You weren't supposed to catch it. I must say, this trip is off to a dandy start with you snapping everybody's head off. Please, please, please. There's no reason for it to be unpleasant. We've got a long way to go. That evening, with Bovey driving... We were approaching Blythe on the California border when the car began to heat up. By the time we found a garage on the outskirts of town, it was almost dark. The report from the mechanic was that the water pump had gone, but he couldn't get a replacement until morning. 
I expected an outburst from Gorel because of the delay, and I was surprised at his reaction to Bovey's apology. Oh, I, I just don't know what to say. I had the car gone over yesterday, and they told me everything was fine. Not your fault, Mr. Bovey. Nobody could see inside that pump. Oh, but I'm so sorry about the delay. Nobody's worried about me. For me, I'm glad it happened. I had enough of the road. And I could use a good night's sleep. Well, I, I don't feel so bad then. The mechanic said the motor court in the next block is a nice place. Shall we go look at it? Why not? Here with me. All right, come along then. Wait a minute. What was the matter? Make it on the inside. I can't let them see me. He wanted to run as the green coupe slowly came abreast of us, but he didn't. I expected gunfire, but none came. Only the beam of a flashlight that held briefly on Gorel and then snapped off. I spotted two men in the coupe as it rolled away from us. Then I turned with Bovey and the girl to see how Gorel would explain himself. Sorry. I thought it was somebody I knew. Somebody I... Didn't feel like talking to just now. He didn't realize how lame the excuse was. I didn't think the others saw it, but from where I stood, I watched his hands streak for the automatic he wore under his arm. It was an instinctive move that he wasn't even aware of making. But from a man who had been relaxed and confident of a getaway, he'd turned back into an unpredictable killer. many great men have attained the highest office in our land, the presidency of the United States. Can you guess the name of this man? The presidency was the first and only public office he ever held. He never went to school, but was taught at home by a tutor. Like his father, he also became a military man and remained in the service until his nomination to the presidency in 1848. He was the second and last member of the Whig Party to become president. If you don't have his name by now, here's another clue. During his presidency, gold was discovered in California. Who was he? Zachary Taylor, 12th president of the United States. His life is part of your American heritage. <laughs> John Lund, we bring you the second act of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. I wanted to report the whole thing to the local police. If I had, I might have prevented a lot of trouble. But I didn't. We checked into the motor court, and about 20 minutes later, Gorell showed up at my room. Has Bovey been to see you? Why, no. The Dane? No. I figured they might on account of that performance I put on out there. If the truth is, I, uh, I got in some trouble in Phoenix and uh, my, my nerves aren't the good. That's okay. I'm not curious. Yeah, well, I, I didn't want you to think I'm nuts or anything like that. Uh, I thought maybe you could tell the others. I, I wouldn't want Bovey to dump me out of the trip. I haven't got enough to get to LA any other way. But look at this wallet. See? A single and one pin. That's my stake. Mm, that's running pretty close. I wish I could help you out. No, no, I'm not making a touch. I can scrape up some when I hit L.A., but... Uh, well, I, I'd like it if you told the others. It's up to you. 
Yeah, you see, I uh, got into a card game with these two guys in Phoenix. I was drinking. I thought the stakes got higher than I should have, and I lost more than I could pay. So uh, I ran out on them. Those were the men that drove by? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they were. Well, if they followed you this far, don't you think they'll follow you the rest of the way? I don't know. Say, uh, you got uh, anything lined up out there? Oh, nothing definite. Why? Well, if they're still on me, maybe I could use some help getting things uh, straightened out, you know? I'd uh, make it worth your while. What kind of help? I will see how things stack up when we get there. <laughs> Anybody that travels like this could use a few extra bucks. You can't get me there. Yeah. That's right. Okay. You tell both you and the dame what I said. And then maybe you and me can give each other a hand. Maybe. Well, I'll see you in the morning. I hear we're going to get an early start. It was about 4 p.m. when the share of the ride trip ended on a street corner in downtown Los Angeles. Bobby drove away, the Shelton girl disappeared in the crowds, and Gorell and I took a cab. The Twins Hotel on Spring Street. Right, get in, Dollar. And here's how it is. Before I left Phoenix, I shipped some of my stuff. Clothes, personal papers, and some cash that I didn't want to carry. You know, you can't tell what kind of people you're going to run into traveling. Can't we go there again sometime? Sure, anytime you say. It's good to have something to look forward to. Just don't ever look back. Tomorrow, then? Yes, tomorrow. Good night, Rocky. Good night, Cora. A moment, Georgian. Uh, Sam, what are you doing here? I've been waiting. This doesn't go with our deal. I got nothing to tell you yet. On the contrary, Georgian, as you shall see. Come with me now, and quickly... Sam walked me to his limousine, waiting half a block down. I waited for more as we drove to headquarters, but he wasn't ready to talk. Not even after we got there, till we'd gone down some familiar steps and into the morgue. Then he stopped and took something from a table. I show you a blue scarf, Dawson. Can you identify it? It's like the one the guy was wearing, the one Cora shot at at my cafe. And this coat? It could be his. I take it he's down here, too. This way, Jordan. Have you seen this man before? No. I told you I never got a look at his face. How'd this happen? He was found in his room at the Sholem Hotel. Shot, you see. You'd have the name, too, then. His name, Jordan, was Benjamin Good. Good. That goes with Cora's last name. Who was he, your husband? He was. B.G., the initials on his tie clip. I should have figured they tied in. Well, Cora's got to be told. Need anyone tell her, Jordan? Oh, now, wait a minute, Sam. You will be interested to know that I had Sergeant Greco waiting for her in her apartment at the Acacia Court. Don't tell me. Yes, Jordan. Cora Good is again under arrest, and this time for murder. Del Monte Foods is presenting tonight's adventure with Rocky Jordan. Here in the West, we really do go for spiced tomato flavor, don't we? Put a... Trying to invite me in? Oh, oh, sure. Sorry. You knocked me off balance a little. Come on in, Miss Sheldon. Thank you. I uh, don't suppose there'd be a chance that you'd just listen to me without asking any questions and then do what I tell you to. 
What would you tell me to do? Pack up and get out of here. Out of town would be better. Why? Because without knowing it, you've got yourself mixed up with some bad people. Who do you mean, Garrell? Yeah. What about him? I didn't realize you knew him. I don't. I mean, I didn't. Well, look, do you have to ask questions? Well, I'm sure not going to pack up and move out of here just because you show up with some crazy talk about bad people. Well, it's true. Garrell was trying to use you to save his own skin. Did you go after a suitcase for him? Yeah, but I didn't get it to him. He wasn't in his room when I got back. I know that. Some men came after him. The same ones that we saw in Blythe. They might have killed him by now. And they're liable to kill you, too. Where did you get all this? You just believe me that it's true and get out of here. I can't say any... Don't let him in. Please. I'll be right there. You get in there. Yeah. What happened to you? Got away. I came for my suitcase. God. Is he dead? No, not yet. Get my coat off the bed so I can stretch him out. Well, maybe you'll believe me. I gotta get out of here. Oh, no, you don't. Look, I didn't have to come here to warn you. I was trying to do you a favor. Is this what I get for it? I'm sorry, but I can't let you go. Not with a man dying of gunshot wounds in my room. I've got to have some answers for the police. And it looks like you're the only one who can give them to me. I was roped into it like you. I didn't know what it was all about. But you do now? Yeah, and I don't want any part of it. Two guys I knew in Phoenix paid me $200 to take the trip from Phoenix and follow Garrell when we got here. I was broke, and they said it was only a gag of some kind, so I took him up on it. Those are the two guys in the coupe? Yeah. Then when they got Skorrell tonight, and I heard them talking about robbery and killing, it began to catch on. They were the ones that pulled that payroll robbery in Phoenix. You didn't know till then? I sure didn't. Look, I'm no angel, but I'd never have anything to do with this kind of business. Now, what's the rest of it? Well, there were four of them that planned it, but Gorell tried to get away with the money by himself. They, they mentioned something about a phone call from somebody named... Uh, well, that's all I know. Uh-huh. When they had Garrell tonight, they were trying to find out where the suitcase was? Yeah, that's right. They were hitting him and saying they'd kill him. But all he'd say was that somebody else had it. I figured it was you, and that's why I came. I tried to help you. Now, how about it? Can I go? Yeah. And you'd better take the same advice you gave me. Go and keep going. You know too much about this mess. After she left, I called Sergeant Mason in the emergency hospital. Garrell was still unconscious when I opened the door about 15 minutes later. I assumed it would be Mason, but it wasn't. Back in the room, Dollar. I've got you. Is he dead? He's close to it. Did that uh, automatic put him where he is? Stay out of what's none of your business, and you won't get some of the same. Garrell made it my business. He talked before he passed out. It's too bad. Did he tell you he chalked up another killing to his credit tonight? Oh, I guess he forgot that. The one who came with you from Phoenix? A friend of mine. I've lost two of them over this, so don't you try to play it smart. You know what I'm here for. You can look the place over. You won't find the suitcase. You picked it up. Where is it? Look in the top right drawer of the bureau. Why? Go ahead. You'll find a claim check in there. 
Nobody can get the suitcase without it. Mm. The facts. What are they? Cora Gould refuses to deny that she killed her husband. Again, she will say nothing. Well, let's get on to item number three. A little question of motive. A motive which I now have. Well, come on, let's have it. Captain Sabaya, are we to understand that you know why Cora killed her husband? In this letter which was found on Benjamin Good's person. It is addressed to his attorney and instructs him to start divorce proceedings against his wife. Well, that's still not enough, Sam. Jordan, the letter also leaves little doubt that Mr. Good had strong documented evidence concerning his wife's personal life, showing her in the worst possible light. Such a case would have cut her off from everything he owned if he had lived. Hmm? All right, I'm getting it, Sam. If he hadn't lived... If Benjamin Good were dead before the divorce, all the legacy would go to his wife. The letter indicates that it would be a rather large amount. One rarely finds a motive as strong as this. A little too strong, maybe. Uh, I only wish Cora had told me about her husband before. Ah, but now it is too late. Yes, as you say, Dr. Kloss. Uh, is that all, then? I must leave in a few hours. I am to attend a psychiatric meeting in Antwerp. I wish you a pleasant journey. Goodbye. Goodbye, Captain. Goodbye, Mr. Jordan. Perhaps we will meet again under happier circumstances? Yeah, sure, Doctor. Um, Sam. Mm. Mind if I talk to Cora? Alone? Certainly not, Jordan. I will take you to her. I followed Sam down a hallway to the dimly lit cell block. He unlocked one of the doors, and I saw Cora slump back in a corner of the cell. It was hard to believe she was the same girl I'd been on the Citadel with an hour before. Sam closed the door and went away. You didn't have to come, Rocky. It's only to help you, Cora, if you let me. Please, Rocky, it's no use. Did you kill him? You can tell me, Cora. Did you kill your husband? Why don't you ask Captain Sabaya? He'll tell you what he thinks. Yeah, and he's got a reason to go with it. Something about a divorce that might cut you off from everything your husband had. Is that the right one? It's a good one, isn't it? I could get away with it. All right, Cora. But you've got to think about the trial. I can get you a good lawyer. I've already engaged one. Isn't there anything you want me to do? I want me to go. And leave me alone. I gave it up and left it. It was daylight by the time I got back to the tambourine. Two hours later, the papers are on the streets playing up the case with big headlines. And every new addition added more to the story with all the evidence. And they made it look strong. I kept in touch with Sam, but Cora stayed as mum as ever. Another full day went by before there was any more. And that's when a briefcase with feet came into my office. Horatio T. Merkel, Mr. Jordan, attorney. Attorney for who? Attorney for Mrs. Cora Good. I represent her in her forthcoming murder trial. Oh, I see. Well, sit down, Mr. Merkel. Thank you. <sighs> now, Mr. Jordan, where were you on Tuesday, day before yesterday? Oh, hold it, Merkel. We're not in a courtroom. You refuse to state? All right, I was with Cora all day, seeing Cairo. Very well. And exactly where were you between the hours of 11 and 12 that night? We were at the Citadel. You're quite sure? Positive. Then you will swear to that in court. Of course I will. What's this all about? Cora Good's defense, Mr. Jordan. Her husband was shot that night at approximately 11.30 in his room at the Sholem Hotel, five miles on the other side of town. Would you mind saying that again? That is all, Mr. Jordan. Thank you. And good day. I just sat there trying to make that one out. Why hadn't Cora said she couldn't have done it when she was first apprehended? 
A lot more questions came piling in, and I picked up the phone for a call to the Shalom Hotel, where Benjamin Good had been found dead. What I learned there decided my next move. It took more than a phone call this time, and half an hour later, I was at a desk at the Cairo airport. The right kind of convincing got a man to check the manifests for incoming passengers for the past few days. And I waited. DWA Constellation, now loading at gate two for Algiers, Casablanca, Rome, Geneva, Paris. It is... Oh, if I ever lived through this. From now on, I'm taking my bumps in a burlesque theater. Much better than walking, mister. Say, uh, you said you're out here representing the owner. What's your job? Uh, well, I'm an efficiency expert. Oh. Uh, speaking of efficiency, what's your first name? Jackie. Oh, well, in that case, mine should be Gwendolyn. But it's not. It's Johnny. Well, let's not bother shaking hands on it, pal. Here comes the end of the road. Oh, 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 oh. The scenery was jumping around like a home movie. My teeth were trying to find out how much abuse my uppers would take from my lowers. I felt like I was gradually being hammered down from a tall, thin man into a short, round one. And there I was, caught without my rhinestone-studded motorcycle belt. Well, here you are. Want me to help you out? Oh, very funny. <laughs> get, away. get lost, you little monster. I'll admit I look like a bag of bones, but I'm too young to die. Go on, I'll beat it. Oh, be a good dog now. Lie down, Nugget. Down. Yeah, Nugget, drop dead. This the mine office? This is it. Well, Dollar, welcome to Skull Canyon. I'm Doyle, the manager out here. I'd be happier to meet you if I met you in town. Mr. Dollar's in a foul mood, Jeff. That ride was a little too much for him. That ride would have been a little bit too much for Buffalo Bill. <laughs> well... That's how Jackie keeps that figure as clever as she does. Now, come on inside, Dollar. That's where the books are, and that's where the chairs are. With cushions, I hope. I'll see you guys. All right. Sit down. Thanks. Oh. Oh. Well, there you are. You'll find all the figures right in that big, fat book. Uh, all but Jackie's. Well, I'm not in any hurry to do my arithmetic. Tell me, uh, what do you think of the results around here? You know more about them than I do. How are things going? Well, Dollar, I'll tell you. It was going better than it is right now. Mm-hmm. Just a few months back, we worked out a pay vein. I'm hoping we'll pick it up again any day now. That sounds reasonable. Any trouble? Help, equipment, working conditions? Well, working conditions could be a lot better, but that, that's a geographical problem. You see, the mine is located here, and the big water supply is eight miles west. We haul the ore across the desert by mule train to the smelter. It's cheaper than trucks. We'd have to build a road for them. Not here, hay is cheaper than gasoline. Uh, you'd um, like to take a look at the mine? Frankly, Mr. Doyle, I'd just as soon climb up a chimney. I hate dark and fine spaces. But, since it's part of my job, I might as well get it over with. The entrance into the mine was through an adit, a horizontal shaft into the side of a hill. We rode in on the tail end of a small red dynamite car, drawn by a donkey junior grade, a burrow. It was cooler in there, but I started to sweat the minute we left sunlight and fresh air behind us. 
I could hear the jackhammers nibbling little gold ear bobs out of the quartz rock for the Christmas tree. Then I heard them stop, and Doyle told me why. Uh, sounds like they're about ready to blast. Oh, great. Oh, open your mouth and cover your eyes. Fifty yards deeper into the earth, I was beginning to think that mankind is mighty hard to satisfy. The Lord gave us the world's whole surface, then we had to go and invent gold mines and airplanes. And right then, I'd have settled for an airplane. Oh, what's the matter, Dollar? You look a little green. Oh, feel a little green. Well, look, look. Take some deep breaths and hold them as long as you can. Okay. Yeah, there. That's that'll perk you up. Well, this is it. Right here is the only face we're working. Ah, uh, doesn't help. I'd been made the sucker, the perfect witness. First to prove that Cora Good wanted to kill her husband, now to prove that she didn't do it. When I told her what I knew about Hugo Klost and her whole deal to get her husband out of the way for his money, she looked like she was going to laugh at me. They'd still have to turn her loose on my testimony. Only then I gave her something more to think about, and the smile started to fade. You're not making any sense, Rocky. Well, a jury will decide that, Cora. You have no way to prove I killed anybody, and you know it. All right, try this one. Supposing I refused to testify that you were with me last night. I was with you, though, every minute. But I'm your only witness, Cora. I can say where you were, and you go free. But what if I suddenly forget? Well, you couldn't. Lapse of memory, let's call it. I was alone. I went snipe hunting out in the desert. You'd be lying. Think about it, Cora. Go into that courtroom with nobody to back up your story and you'll get the book thrown at you. So that's it. You came in here to threaten a confession out of me. Well, you'd better not try it. Because we were at the Citadel, you and I, from 11 till after 12 o'clock. I don't remember a thing about it. Not a thing. Rocky, what do you want? For you to tell the truth. Where Hugo Klaast is hiding. You think I'd be so stupid? Tell it now, Cor, and you may not be executed. Admit Hugo Klaast did the actual killing. You'll be convicted as an accomplice, but you'll get off easier. Rocky, listen, Hugo really doesn't mean anything to me. Oh, to somebody convenient, huh? Like I was. Hugo did it then, huh? Of course. Rocky, remember the way it was last night? It could always be like that. There's lots of money. Where is he, Cora? He took the plane to Tunis. How do we find him? At the Hotel Sahara, waiting for me. Thank you. It's all I wanted to know. And so did my spirits when she bid me good night after she introduced me to my roommate. Hiya, Sonny. An old mule skinner named Kangaroo. Uh, make yourself comfortable. Oh. By chance. Well, better than a sand bed and a saddle pillar. Oh. Oh. See, uh, for a pine shack, this has a mighty fancy floor. What is it, mahogany? Nope. Tobacco juice. <coughs> helps keep out the sidewinders. What do you mean, helps? Little snake critters crawl in out of the hot sun to get cool. Where are you from, sonny? Uh, Hartford, Connecticut. Well, I'll be turned to... I don't reckon it shows through, but I'm an Easterner myself. Come out from New York State 53 years ago. Little town of Prattville. County seat it was. Mm, that's pretty dull. What'd you say? Oh, nothing. Say, uh, 
Are you the one that handles the mules on the run out to the smelter? I'm one of them. Well, how's chances of hitching a ride with you in the morning? You'll have to get up early. All right, then I'll get up early. Well, then stop wasting your breath on a lot of dang fool words. Use some on the kerosene lamp. Quick! Night! I lay awake thinking about that jackhammer I'd heard working the supposedly inactive end of the Skull Canyon mine earlier that day. This didn't take too much pounding into my skull before I decided that Doyle was working on a vein for his own personal profit. I also knew that for him to convert the ore into gold, he had to get it to a smelter. So I figured that the mule skinner, Kangaroo, was the best place to start asking questions. Ah, it's funny how a sleepless night can sour the beauty of a desert sunrise. get there. The sun's getting awful hot. Why, it ain't nothing, sonny. Some days that old sun's got your tongue hanging out your fur. Gets a real nice tan. Uh, how do you stand it? Hey, what's that stomach pump doing way out here? Stomach pump? What in tarnation are you talking about? Uh, that's a clever name for a light airplane. Hey, looks like he's getting ready to give us a buzz. Hey, hey, mules! Hey, you, Monroe! Blast your 